Zac Efron's different look, Demi Lovato's Froyo story sparks a chat about triggers and why sustainable fashion is quickly becoming a part of the trend cycle. I'm Maggie and that was Jasmine and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet and our lives. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So Jazz, you've got your tea and brownie with you for our Sunday afternoon record. Yes, Sunday afternoon sesh. I feel like a little old grandma. I've got like a hot water bottle on my legs and a blanket over my legs and my PJ pants. But that's cozy. It's cozy vibes over here today. How about you? Cozy autumn girl autumn. (laughs) That's not how it goes. But yeah, I'm in my cozies. It's so funny because in lockdown last year, I wore these like really stretchy um furry pants all the time with this like with these oversized sweatshirts and every time I wear it now I feel like I'm I'm in lockdown again like I went for a quick walk and I'm like it feels the same is it like PTSD like vibes or is it cozy vibes it's it's a bit in the middle like don't love it Mm. don't hate it so I'll take that Mm. speaking of that I was walking home today and I was listening to Doja Cat and it was just like on shuffle and say so came on and I had to turn the song off like halfway through because I found myself feeling anxious listening to it because it was like so big during lockdown and it was all over TikTok like when we first went into lockdown and stuff and I was like oh no like I've connected say so (laughs) with like early memories of lockdown and now I don't think I can listen to it or at least not for a little while because I loved that song when it came out Mm -hmm. so sad didn't even notice. <laughs> I only know a one move from the TikTok song. I always wanted to know. Did you ever have that stage where you learned TikTok dances? No. I oh. I learned one, but it wasn't like a TikTok dance. It was like you dance while there's text all over the screen. So it's like, yeah, it's not like a dance mm. just to dance. It's a dance with context I don't know if that makes sense it's still on my page if you want to go watch it oh yeah so the thing is I went on my TikTok and I found like TikTok dances that I had posted not being like I wasn't trying to dance really well but it also wasn't like obviously funny either and it was just so embarrassing like I I archived them Mm -hmm. um so no one has to take a look at them and me and my dance skills (laughs) all right so we've got our tea we're ready we've got quite a big episode so let's get into it shall we First things first, I want to discuss the Demi Lovato frozen yogurt story. Did you hear about this? What a headline. When I saw this, the only thing that was going through my head was Princess Protection Program, where Demi Lovato works in a frozen yogurt place. Do you remember? Yes. That was with Selena Gomez, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. That movie? Iconic. Iconic (sighs) movie. Like peak Disney Channel right there. Yeah, but we have spoken about Demi a couple of times. We spoke about her a few weeks ago with her documentary um, Dancing with the Devil when that came out. And now she's in the headlines again. And I think it's a very interesting topic mm. to discuss. But before we get into today's topic, we will just put a content warning here for eating disorders and addiction. 
So over the weekend, Demi Lovato visited The Big Chill, which is an LA-based yogurt shop. And apparently the store had, quote, sugar-free cookies and diet foods available. And she called this out on Instagram story after she had to walk past these foods as she was making her way to the counter. She also said in the Instagram story, quote, do better, please, hashtag diet culture vultures. I kind of like that hashtag. Not sure about you, but... It reminds me a little bit of Rewear Don't Care, Maggie. Oh, Maybe it's just the who made thing. that? Anyway, <laughs> um, me. Anyway, so the Big Chill wrote on their Instagram story, we carry items for diabetics, celiac disease, vegan, and of course have many indulgent items as well. This went on for a little while. So Demi Lovato posted screenshots of their conversation on her stories. One message that the big chill sent to her was, we are not diet vultures. We cater to all our customers' needs for the past 36 years. We are sorry you found this offensive. So this back and forth between the big chill and Demi on the Instagram messages went back and forth for a little while. Um... Demi was showing more screenshots where she talked about the thin line between the health needs of people and diet culture. So in one of them, she um, circles the Big Chill's um, copy for their packaging, which says, eat me guilt-free. And you and I have spoken about the guilt-free copy before. Mm. In my opinion, I don't think that's cool because like food shouldn't have guilt, whether you have like dietary issues or not, like you should eat what your body needs. Um So you can see what she was trying to do. It was reminding me a little bit of like Jamila Jamil with like the um, sugar-free, you know, lollipops and all those things, the diet suppressants. So you could see her point of view, but it kind of just kept going on a bit. And then fans began to kind of call Demi out on Twitter. One user, Perla, said, I am a diabetic. I need sugar-free options. Sorry it offends you, Demi. Get over it. You aren't the center of the universe. Um, among others. And then in an eight-minute apology video, Demi explains herself and that she thought the messaging wasn't clear that that those items were for people with diabetes or celiac disease. So we're going to insert a little clip here so she can say in her own words. I just want to help continue to make this world a better place. And if it upsets some people, I'm so sorry. And I will listen and try to understand and how I can better be of support to all communities, not just people with eating disorders, but of all communities. And, and yeah, I think I'm rambling. Um, anyways, I just wanted to get that message across. It's really important. I agree with her on some accounts that we have kind of made diet culture so normalized in our life that it becomes second nature so of course we saw the guilt-free packaging and earlier even in the big chills first instagram story post they were like we have other indulgent items as well like what do you mean indulgent i hate messaging like that and the thing is dietary um, requirements like being vegan or celiac or you know not eating gluten a lot of the time these are choices people make and it is so associated to like the optimal body like healthy living kind of standards so it's not just about what your body can and cannot take um and we can't kid ourselves that it's not that at all. It's definitely tied to aesthetics. Yeah. So you're talking about like um, eating gluten-free for like the well, like in the wellness community and stuff yeah. like that. 
Yeah, and I guess that's like the whole issue here is that those lines are quite blurred, but Demi has just gone like gangbusters on this brand and like gone in guns blazing kind of thing and um, jumped on them and it's kind of backfired now. So I think the video seems very genuine. She like explains herself very well and we all know like Demi's history. She nearly died last year. Like she's obviously struggling with her addiction still. She says that she's California sober, which means that she's still drinking a little bit and smoking weed, which is interesting. And some people like in her circle have spoken out about that by saying um, you should be sober or like you're either sober or you're not kind of thing. So obviously she is still kind of like going through a lot, but I think the topic that this has brought up is very interesting about someone being held accountable to their own triggers. One comment on Demi's Instagram video read, so I'm in recovery five years now and I can't even walk into gas stations, grocery stores and so on without seeing tons of alcohol in my face. If I'm triggered, then that tells me that I need more help. That tells me that I am not okay and should probably take a good look at where I'm at in my own recovery. And guess what? That is my problem, not Speedways. That's when you call your support system or sponsor or whatever. Not go on social media and bash Speedway for selling booze. Like, come on, grow up. Freyo is not in charge of your recovery, you are. I think that's like a great way to put it. You know? Yeah, there's a part of me with all these um, comments that she's receiving. <laughs> Lot am I triggered? Um, because I do think they are quite harsh in some regards. Um, we know that Demi is struggling quite seriously with her addictions, as you mentioned, and we're telling her to grow up, get over it. It's not all about you. Um, but, you know, being a celebrity and being told that, yeah, it does revolve around you and growing up in the limelight kind of mm-hmm. it's it's hard to get out of that mindset I would say I did read another comment which I think sums it up a, like nicer I don't know um, I'll read it now if it triggers you then that's your truth nobody can change that but I think people were just upset that you took to social media to drag a small business after such a hard year for them everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. Just don't do it again. Love heart. And I, that's where I am at with how I think about this. I think it is warranted that she um, was emotional and that she was triggered by this. Uh, I'm definitely not going to tell her otherwise. I do think, and she's admitted it herself in the video, that the way that she responded and reacted wasn't the best. So she admitted to that. Yeah. And I think I actually only saw a little bit of the apology video on TikTok. Like people on TikTok can be so brutal when it's taken out of the context. Like the only thing I kept seeing on my feed was the line, which is ridiculous when in its own words, but she says um, something along the lines of like, I was triggered by the Froyo and it ruined the rest of my weekend. Like this will stay with me for the rest of my life. She was like kind of saying those things Mm. and it does sound ridiculous when you put it alone, but when you have the context of she has she's grown up like from the age of five or whatever when she was on Barney in the limelight. She's, you know, struggled with drug addictions. She's struggled with um, body issues, you know. I think when you put it all together, it's actually just quite sad. Mm-hmm. But I do think that for all of Demi's struggles, she still has the money, power, and the privilege, and that by jumping on this small business, potentially ruin, ruining their livelihoods, if she just taken a step back done some critical thinking skills, then this could have been avoided. But, you know, I can't really – I don't know what it's like to go through an addiction like that. So 
to say like, oh, just take, just calm down, just take a step back, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I just think that she needs a support system around her rather than being on social media and getting into these things, in my opinion. In more celebrity news, the internet went wild yesterday after a video for Earth Day was released showing heartthrob Zac Efron sporting a bit of a different look. The former High School Musical star was spotted in a video by Bill Nye the Science Guy for Facebook where Bill Nye and Justin Bieber are calling up a bunch of stars to get them involved in an Earth Day musical. Sounds fun. Um, At about the 1.50 mark, Zach is on screen in what looks like a hotel room, but his jaw looks swollen and his lips look bigger, which caused many people to speculate, has Zach had plastic surgery? We were at dinner last night when we saw these photos for the first time with some friends and the reaction from everyone was quite, you know, we were all quite shocked, to be honest. Yeah, like let's not beat around the bush. We did laugh and kind of poke fun at Mm -hmm. it, which, you know, looking back, we really shouldn't be doing that about anyone. I think our reaction, we were laughing because we were like, oh, no, like what's he done? Kind of like more out of concern, not genuine concern, but kind of like, oh, like he was everyone's like crush in Mm. primary and high school. It was kind of like, oh, my God, what's he done? But today looking at things and reading more about it um there's been a few theories so some people think he has had cheek filler or jaw surgery which is giving him that kind of handsome squidward look you know like the very chiseled chin vibe but on tiktok a plastic surgeon said that that swelling is more likely to be associated with dental surgery so like if you've had your wisdom teeth out or something what do you think i mean i've had three of my wisdom teeth out in one go and i didn't look like that (laughs) but um of course it's different on everybody and i think one thing is we talk about Uh, like facial enhancements and plastic surgery a lot with women in Hollywood but not really with men Um, and a lot of the time especially with women it's done obviously so well so subtly and over time so you don't really notice a change so I think this felt like quite a big shock because Mm. it was just it was just really noticeable Mm -hmm. like what you were saying before regardless of if it is plastic surgery or not it's not really anyone's place to speculate on people's appearance and especially not someone who has spoken out against the pressures of Hollywood and has actually spoken about disordered eating. See, I didn't actually know about this, so I'm actually really keen for you to chat through it um, because in my head, you know, he's a very obviously conventionally attractive um white guy in Hollywood. So yeah, I I didn't hear about this. So when he was filming Baywatch, which came out a couple of years ago, Zach said on the Ellen show, quote, for guys, that's unrealistic. I'm telling you, like I got very big and buff for that movie, but I don't want people to think that's the best way to be like, be your size. Like, I don't want to glamorize this. And in an episode of a web series called the hot ones on the same film where he is very, very ripped. Like there's almost no body fat on him. Zach says, I realized when I was done with that movie, I don't ever want to be in that good of shape again. Really, it was so hard. You're working with almost no wiggle room. You've got things like water under your skin you're worrying about, making your six-pack into a four-pack, shit like that. That's just not – it's just stupid. It's just not real. So good on him, I think. Like he was for many, many years, probably still is, like one of the – 
lol, how many times have I said this in this segment? It's a heartthrob. I'm just exposing <laughs> myself. He was like my first crush um, when I was younger. But, you know, he is very conventionally attractive and he's still beautiful as he ages. So I think it's important that it's really good that he spoke out about those things. But it must also be like Demi. It must be so hard to have been in the spotlight since you were 16 or something in high school musical mm. grow up with all that paparazzi do you remember those pictures that came out of vanessa hudgens and zach efron in a sex toy shop they come up like oh, every like yes. once a no, year they kind remember. of pop up <laughs> and they're like where's the woman who took the selfie of like vanessa and zach in the sex toy shop so things like that when you're like 18 19 like that must be really hard to have that kind of shared with the world and yeah the fact that his success has been so heavily reliant on how he is that heartthrob character um Mm. it's understandable that he might think he has to keep up with that even though obviously i would say in hollywood we are much harsher on women so we we have those stereotypes about the silver fox or men who just age like fine wines but we don't really have that same rhetoric with women they're not afforded as much um kindness i swear when i was on twitter today like researching what was going on i saw way more tweets defending zach and saying we shouldn't be talking about his appearance like rather than i thought i was going to go on there were going to be a hundred memes about it and people were going to be quiet you know the way the internet does like poking fun um but they were all like don't talk about his appearance badly like who You know, if I see anyone coming for Zach, like really defending him, which is so great. But I think that if those photos were taken of a woman, say, for example, Miley Cyrus or Ashley Tisdale or Vanessa Hudgens, like in that Disney circle, there would be so many stories on it. There'd be think pieces. There'd be like 100 Daily Mail articles. There'd be like more tweet and it would be a meme already. So I think that is such a interesting observation that you made as well of like the gender thing Mm. of the way we speak about men's plastic surgery versus women's Mm, yeah well over the past year we did see the musician the weekend crop up in the news for basically his face and what i mean by that was that at several award shows he appeared bloodied bruised and also had bandages all over his face then in january this year he posted that photo on instagram do you remember where it looked like he had gone under the knife but um he was just wearing heavy prosthetics and makeup do you remember that yeah, he looked like the pillow filter on Instagram. Yeah, slash um, handsome Squidward again, very much that vibe. Turns out it was actually just um, to tell the dark story in his 2019 album After Hours that follows the storyline of a man's descent into chaos and madness while chasing happiness in all the wrong places. PR stunt maybe is how I would frame it PR stunt or like artistic exploration yeah you know both um (laughs) thin line these days um but anyway he talked about this um choice that he was going through yes this artistic expression with variety and he said quote the significance of the entire head bandages is reflecting on the observed culture of hollywood celebrity and people manipulating themselves for superficial reasons to please and be validated what are your initial thoughts on this I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, I know how I feel about this. It gives me that vibe of like that annoying guy in your chute that's like, makeup is shit. Like women shouldn't wear makeup. They look better without makeup. Like I get what he's saying and there's definite truth to it, but it just feels literally like 
women hating because let's be honest, he's mainly targeting women here because they are the ones who usually, um, at least more vocally, get plastic surgery. And it just feels like, oh, I don't know. It feels like a weird, um, like a university art project that hasn't been thought that much, but they think it's super deep. Like, oh my God, this is a comment on society. Like we <laughs> love selfies. That's, that's, that's it. It's not that deep, bro. Like, yeah, I definitely see what you mean about the gender thing as well. And that's such like a funny way to explain it, Maggie. And also he's <laughs> part of that culture. Like he's also a celebrity mm-hmm. himself. So I don't know. He was also dated Bella Hadid, who's like famous for like changing her face to become mm-hmm. a supermodel. But on the same day that all of this Zac Efron stuff came out, Channel 5 in the UK actually released a documentary titled Celebrities, What Happened to Your Face? Uh, on the channel's website, the blurb literally says, taking a look at the facial flaws of the famous. So one of the episodes featured Charlotte Crosby, who found fame on Geordie Shore, and she spoke out about it, releasing a very moving and brave, in my opinion, statement Um, And I'll read a little bit out of it now. It's quite long. We'll share it as well later. At a time when the broadcast and media world were backing a policy of Be Kind, Channel 5 and Crack It decided to commission this one-hour special on Rubber Lip Charlotte. Their words, not mine. The experts dissected my plastic face with disgust, discussing my fluctuating weight with images, and then decided to flash up the worst troll comments from the past five to six years. Dealing with trolls is one thing. You ignore, you block. But where are we as a society when the trolls are the mainstream TV channels? Will they now take responsibility for my dip in mental health and my plummeted self-esteem? Do they take responsibility for the resulting press from the show, again discussing how shocking my face is? She ended it with, That hour could have been used to host a mental health documentary. That hour could have educated the public in the many issues and good causes which need publicity. That hour didn't need to go after a 31-year-old woman for her appearance, choices, and rubber lips. When is enough enough? Just because we're in the public eye doesn't mean we aren't human. Fortunately, I'm strong enough to deal with it, but many aren't. I think between the Demi story, the Zach story, the Charlotte story, um, and now there's also been news of four new unconfirmed documentaries around Britney Spears that are in the works for this year. It's like we've gone from, like, does no one remember what happened in the 2000s when we handed celebrities like this? Like, we were just all talking about this in February when the New York Times documentary came out. And now it's like free reign on Zach, bullying Demi on TikTok for, like, you know, the whole triggering thing now exploiting Britney's stories for four different documentaries on like the same subject. And I saw on Twitter that many users are now questioning the motives behind these types of documentaries. And if these docs are just like woke harassment in that, like, oh, we care about their mental health, like, or in Charlotte's case, like, oh, what happened to her mental health for her to have to go through so many surgeries? It's so sad that she's had to change her face so many times. Like, these are the pressures of celebrity. And it's like, that is still harassment. That is still, like, bullying someone for their appearance and kind of targeting them, whether you think it's for their benefit or not. Yeah, and it's like we posted this tweet a few weeks ago and it was like we are past the point of raising awareness for these issues. So, for instance, with the Britney documentary, we do not need four more that go into her, like the abuse that she endured 
it's just another way that we're exploiting her um, and not treating her as human. It might have been paparazzis years ago, but now it is, again, mainstream media or, like you mentioned, woke publications and um, filmmakers doing the same thing. Like, it is Mm. purely for our entertainment now if we keep saying, if we keep doing this. Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. So whether Zach has had dental surgery or he's just gotten some cheek fillers, He's still gorgeous. He's still my forever crush. And let Zach live. Leave (laughs) Zach alone. You may have noticed the explosion of environmentally focused content this past week. And that's thanks to Earth Day and Fashion Revolution Week. But also, not surprisingly, a lot of fast fashion companies have also been jumping on this as a spot of PR. So how much greenwashing did you see? Thank God I don't follow fast fashion companies, so I do avoid um, seeing a lot of it. But even though I could not um, miss some of the greenwashing that was filling our feeds, I got sent the Glassons post a few times or Glassons. Yeah, you saw this too, didn't you? Yeah, I think I was one of the, one of the ones who sent it to you. Yeah, but they had the carousel of the workers holding signs reading, who made my clothes? They all looked quite sad, to be honest. Um, and then, like, in their captions, they were vaguely stating the tier of the factories in China, India, Bangladesh, Vietnam, and Turkey. But I was so happy with the comments. Uh, I think we both spoke about that, how we were like, oh my God, the greenwashing is so bad. And now they're not just like environmentally greenwashing, like with recycled fibers and we only released this much, uh, this many clothes, but they're like greenwashing. There should be another term for that. like um, Human washing, but that sounds terrible. <laughs> but like making themselves sound better than they are with like having the factory workers in the images. Like... Mm-hmm. People were in the comments saying, okay, great that you're like, it's great to see their faces, but how much do they get paid? I'm so proud of their followers and customers for actually speaking up. And what was gross was that um, very similar question. Someone was like, okay, cool. How much do you get paid? Then Glassons would reply with like a paragraph that literally just does not answer the question. And my most annoying thing was they would continue to say, quote, as a company, we support living wage. Okay, that's like me being like, I support world peace, but I don't do anything about it. Yeah, it's so easy to say that you support something. Like that is literally an, a thought. You, you're just saying a thought. Um, ridiculous. <laughs> it's so infuriating, honestly. Yeah, but I was also, and maybe it's just the circles that we run in, but there was like um, a lot of genuine genuine steps being taken and a lot of education happening which is like really great to see so if you weren't aware fashion revolution week was founded after the rana plaza collapse in bangladesh in 2013 and it killed 1132 people and injured over 2500 and the brands working out of the rana plaza factory were brands like h&m these massive fast fashion companies that um, don't pay people living wage and make them work in unsafe conditions. So that was founded eight years ago now. So it's great to see that a lot of brands, especially like a lot of Melbourne brands, were supporting Fashion Revolution Week. 
Yeah, it is such an interesting thing because, of course, I'm also in like the slow fashion space and I am so lucky I get to support a lot of local, small, independent brands that are doing such good things. But one thing I think is missing from a lot of our conversations, especially this is a blind spot in my online advocacy, is like collective action and what really, not really matters, but it is such an important facet of um online work I don't want to say activism because that is not what I do but in that kind of realm um, for instance Adithi Mayer posted a great reel about the origins of Earth Day which I actually didn't know about so it actually began 51 years ago and it was inspired by the civil rights movement it was rooted in grassroots organizing teach-ins local action and helped create the environmental protection agency clean air act occupational safety and health act and the clean water act i think in our western society it is very much individually focused whereas in other like eastern countries and eastern cultures it is all about community action and I think we need to remember this and it's not just about shopping our way to sustainability because that won't happen that's not how it works so I think having these conversations are really important like not just about brands but what can we do outside of Instagram what can we do outside of fashion shopping Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and shopping our way to sustainability is what a lot of these fast fashion brands are trying to convince us to do um we were shocked and really disappointed the other week when h&m chose game of thrones actress Maisie williams to be their global sustainability ambassador She's seen in a very well-produced and unquestionably expensive short film and we're just going to play a little bit of the clip here here I am, worrying about the future. Again, dear aliens, send help. No, but seriously, does anything we do make any difference? Oh, I guess it's not all bad. Like, I read that the technology behind coding is based on century-old inventions for weaving fabrics. Meaning, if we didn't have this, we wouldn't have that loot machine. And now we can use this new technology based on really old technology to recycle and make new fabrics from old fabrics. One thing evolves into another, like a loop. A loop, a loop, a loop. What if we could loop ourselves? Level up and take steps in the right direction. We won't be completely new people. We'll just have evolved. And maybe that's what we all need to do. Evolve. Do something today that makes a difference tomorrow. So straight away, there were a lot of comments about this. What did you see? Yeah, so I saw a lot of backlash, but also a lot of people supporting her. Um, one that called her out was a Twitter user saying, we don't need paid celebrity sustainability ambassadors. We need sustainability experts who actually know what they are talking about. There is a reason said experts are constantly calling H&M out as one of the worst offenders and the reason why we refuse to listen. It makes you think, how much would they have paid Maisie Williams to do that? It's a one-minute advert. It's super well-produced. Like It looks like a video game. It's so futuristic, it kind of freaked me out. But mm. I like I can't you can't even say how much she would have earned. It would have been like hundreds of thousands of pounds probably. Yeah, and plus a production of all this. Just so much money went into this greenwashing marketing that could have so easily 
gone into the hands of their garment workers. Yeah. And actually in New Zealand, there's news coming out of New Zealand at the moment um, where H&M staff have been trying to negotiate a higher living wage and they were suspended from their jobs. And that's H&M. They make billions of dollars a year. And that's in New Zealand, which is like a wealthy Western country with like quite good standards of living. They're not getting paid properly. So what about the people with even less of a voice, you know? And it's not like inconceivable an amount of money that these workers are asking for in New Zealand. Um, it's literally $2 something difference per hour that they are asking for. The fact that they were, you know, suspended from work, from even trying to push for this really just shows that H&M is not interested in having this dialogue or this conversation and that profits are what they really care about and we did talk about this in our live episode but it just infuriates me that okay to be honest in my head I was like damn like paying a living wage that must be really hard really expensive but Deloitte here in Australia found that if a retailer wanted to pay their workers a living wage and wanted the customer like us to cover that cost it would literally only cost one percent more that is nothing. So H&M, you know, and we know that their CEOs are millionaires, billionaires. They can do this. They just choose not to. And they choose to greenwash their customers by getting Maisie Williams to be like, let's close the loop. What if my, what if our clothes were like futuristic and made out of like fully recycled fibers? Like, no, this isn't, this isn't working. It's obviously not working. Yeah, it was super futuristic that they even have a weird partnership with Animal Crossing and they've partnered with Nintendo on this to have their own like Animal Crossing island, which I find very interesting that they're pushing this like futuristic or like not real life narrative when we're looking at real life issues right in front of us, but they refuse to kind of look at that and kind of put it in these weird analogies. Like what if we were animals? I don't know. Sorry, I haven't played Animal Crossing, but you know, putting it in this animated world, that's not real life. Yeah. So annoying. Yeah. Like Fashion Revolution Week is talking about people are dying. Kim, there's people that are dying. Or I should say (laughs) Maisie, there's people that are dying. We need to get this sorted, not play AI robots with our clothes and like they're all computer generated and stuff like let's get this done it's gonna obviously when I say let's get this done like it's so it's not easy but celebrity global sustainability advocates and whatever that's just ridiculous But the fashion talk doesn't stop there. (laughs) No, we're going to continue because we want to look at the way that the trend cycle also perpetuates this and how, unfortunately, sustainable fashion brands are falling into this mix as well. A few videos have been popping up on my TikTok account um, about the way trend cycles are speeding up. One that was doing the rounds this week and racked up a quarter of a million views was by American TikTok user Trecolopus slash Jillian. In the video, she goes through some trends that have been around for only like six to 12 months and she states how they've been too overdone. She's bored of them. She wants to see something new and these are like designer items. So she's got like the Vivian Westwood necklace, which is like a thousand dollars, the Saxpots coats, some House of Sunny, I think is in there. So we're going to play a bit. We'll play a little bit of the video as well here clothing and accessories that got way too trendy and now i don't ever want to see them again starting off with the bang the prada tesudo little handbag 
it's classic it's cute but i saw it too many times and now i can't stand it and i still love prada but this one is too overdone next these beautiful socks pops coats they were so funky and fun like the first three weeks and now it's been going on too long and i've seen them too many times and i've seen every color that will be also posted on our story so you can see the items that she's talking about. But in a follow-up video, because she did cop a little bit of backlash, she goes on to say that, you know, she doesn't shop or support fast fashion um, and that it's just her personal opinion that she's bored of seeing them. But, you know, it's very interesting to see the trend cycle continue to become faster and faster that now through social media, we have even micro trends that literally last maybe even just like a week. And if you're not on TikTok that day, you'll miss it completely. Um, but you actually wrote an article about this trend cycle. Do you want to chat to us about it? Mm. So I wrote an article for ZFeed, which is an Australian news explainer site publication, Um, And it's about why fashion trends come back around every 20 years. Um, So that's the reason why Y2K is so big right now. But through that research, I found a trend term called Laver's Law. So it was created by author, curator, and costume historian James Laver in 1937. I won't go through it all because it's like a bit long, but it shows how quickly, like in just under a hundred years, how quickly we've changed. So a trend 10 years before its time was seen as indecent. Um, one year before its time was seen as smart. But if you're going to things that are like out of trend, one year after its like peak, it's dowdy. 10 years after its peak, it's hideous. And it goes on and on and on. And said 150 years after like a trend's time in the sun it's considered beautiful um which is crazy because can you imagine wearing clothes from 150 years ago so obviously we work a lot faster now thanks to fast fashion and just like in general so now the trend cycle kind of goes the introduction period you first kind of see it on runways celebrities then there's an increase then you'll get to a peak which is where it's like available to the mass public and that's when fast fashion brands will start ripping designs off. And then there's oversaturation to the point where everyone's wearing it. You see it on every single person on the street. That's when it starts to decline. And then you've got the obsolescence, which is when no one would wear it. I don't know what we could, what would be an example now. No one wants to wear it anymore. Where back in the day, this happened like every 5, 10, 20 years, like it was a lot slower thanks to apps like Instagram and TikTok, it seems to be happening at a much faster rate every year. And now it's to the point where it's even every like three to six months. Like that house of sunny green dress has just fallen. Oh my, I was looking at that. I was wanting to buy one like maybe two months ago. They were like a couple hundred dollars. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to save up for this dress. It's house of sunny. It's designer. It's really gorgeous. Love it. And now it's like old news. I haven't even had time to save for it. Mm. Yeah, and it's so interesting to see this happen to sustainable brands because in the past, you know, this happens with like high-end just designer brands, but because um, places like Sheen and Zeffel are ripping off these um, sustainable brands, that's why we're also seeing so much more of them. So I'm thinking about those House of Sunny cow print pants or those crocheted um, like knit tops that are like really colourful. Um, they were also ripped off. I know these are just like vague stuff, but um, all like, you know, those um, patchworky tops that are kind of, um, that they have, 
the stitching showing and it's like mm, yeah, colourful yeah, yeah. and the threads are coming out. God, I should know the designer's name. But because they've been so mass produced by uh, these really terrible fast fashion places, it's also why we've seen so much more of them as well. But even like that aside, even if fast fashion brands weren't ripping them off, this is a really interesting um, conundrum that we're witnessing at the moment where sustainable brands are falling into the fast fashion trend cycle because they are super trendy super cool like hot pieces of the moment yeah well I saw a video about the how like the new house of sunny collection where someone was like this new collection is just giving me forever 21 vibes it's old I'm done like house of sunny you've like fallen from grace already kind of thing and I was like and they are considered to be like a sustainable brand and that just shows that just because it's like the whole theme of you can't shop your way at to sustainability even if like you shopping Lisa says gar paloma wool just because you're shopping those like more sustainable slower brands by all the same influencers posting it in the same week people feel like oh okay i have to buy that i have to be in the moment so then we're still just shopping more it's still just promoting overconsumption yes and we all fall victim to this by the way like jazz and i both feel the same we you know, like Jazz was saying about that House of Sunny dress, like don't get me wrong, I don't want to be like on a little pedestal mm. at the moment saying like I don't do the same because we all do. And I just think even the word slow fashion, I feel like it really encompasses it because sustainable fashion can't just be about the fabrics we're using or even the workers' conditions. It is about the mindset and the cycle of fashion that we go through and the way that we should consciously consume our clothing. So for instance, if I I was to be gifted or buying new sustainable items each week. Obviously, that's not sustainable in itself because I'm still over consuming. And I think this kind of mindset where we're like, oh, that's old, that's mm. boring, that's fast fashion playing in our brains. That's what they that's what they want us to believe. That's what um keeps you wanting to buy more and thinking that your wardrobe isn't good enough and what you're wearing isn't good enough. I was getting kind of classes themes as well from the original women's TikTok about like, I'm bored, I'm bored of this, I'm bored of that. Because it's like so many people would save up because they really want that like beautiful coat that they saw on their favorite Instagrammer and it might take them six months to save up because like they work part-time or whatever. They've got to pay the rent. They don't have disposable income. But then you've got people being like, no, it's done now. And then people feel like they've missed out on the trend. If they buy it, they're already out of out of date like after three to six months and I think that's also so sad but it also just kind of perpetuates the message that we should all be you should that's why you should have a personal style as well and not Mm. like rely on people saying this is trendy this is out this is in this is out because yeah I just think it's sad as well that's what got me when she's like I'm bored of this because so many of those items I was like oh I actually really wanted them but I was like waiting to save up for them so yeah, there's like so many themes coming off this discussion, I guess. But at the end of the day, we should just be focusing on slow fashion. Everyone just slow down. It's okay if you don't like post mm. a picture in that dress this week. You know what I mean? Yeah, just because something's really popular, it shouldn't tarnish the way you enjoy clothing. It's a, it's a nice thing as well. It's like, oh, all these other people also like this piece of clothing. I don't want to give off like not like other girl vibes where you're where you have to be unique and you have to own an item that not many people have like let's get rid of that it's okay to wear things that are popular that's that
What have you loved this week that you've watched, read, or listened to, Maggie? Uh, loved is a strong word <laughs> in this scenario. I'm so sorry, listeners. This is not a very like primo recommendation, but I did enjoy watching it. So can't believe I'm talking about Marvel again, but here we are. I finished watching. <laughs> so excited, as you can tell. But no, I actually really enjoyed this. So I watched. Falcon and the Winter Soldier that's on Disney Plus. It is a mini series that kind of follows the events after Avengers Endgame. So I do want to say it is very Marvel like. <laughs> Your face is confused because you don't watch Marvel. That is so fine. Um, I don't think you would enjoy this. Um, it's very like traditionally Marvel. So right. fight scenes, whatever. It's not innovative like WandaVision was. But if you do enjoy superhero movies, it is a fun series to watch. And I am so in love with Bucky, <laughs> a.k.a. Sebastian Stan, who went out with Leighton Meester, a.k.a. apparently the honorary third member of this podcast because she gets mentioned every bloody week. Yeah. Um, Can you tell who posted the thirst traps of Sebastian Stan on Instagram this week? <laughs> so many of you resonated, so I felt better. But, like, oh, my God, that man, like. <laughs> shaky breath <laughs> shaky breathing oh so funny anyway so back to the series it has this buddy cop vibe that's entertaining to watch it's quite funny but it also kind of touches on plot lines evolving around race america politics and the military which i feel like marvel haven't done as obviously before Marvel was pretty bold with some of the t subjects that they touched on, um, but I have read a lot of commentary and reviews about how it is not as groundbreaking as Marvel thought it would be, and it does kind of send weird mixed messages about race and like America and patriotism. I don't want to get into it because I don't want to spoil it, but if anyone else has watched this, like slide into the DMs, tell me what you thought, because I think there were some really poignant parts and some powerful speeches but in, it also felt flat sometimes yeah yeah I haven't heard about it as much as I heard about WandaVision and again I'm back to being not interested at all in Marvel WandaVision was like my little like entry into the world and now I'm like oh I don't know <laughs> this is You're so out. much propaganda it is interesting though the thing about race do you think that they were trying to be kind of in with the times and trying to like have a social commentary and it fell flat like what do you think they were trying to do yeah I think this was um it started production a couple years ago so interestingly before last year's iteration of Black Lives Matter but there was a strong black creative team behind the making of this which I think was quite telling because um you know one of the main characters is a black man I do appreciate the insights that were, were given um I can't comment obviously I'm not black but um it was an interesting one I don't I don't know how I feel about it that's why I'm kind of umming and ahhing anyway what are you going to be recommending for us this week Jess? I have another novel to recommend I have been reading Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng and I keep getting the name mixed up in my head I keep when people are like, what are you reading at the moment? I keep wanting to say Big Little Lies, but I know that's wrong. Mm. It's like, anyway, it's Little Fires Everywhere. And it's a story of two families in the 1990s um, who connect through their children. And it's set in Shaker Heights, Ohio, where Celeste, the author, actually grew up, which I didn't find out until afterwards. I thought Shaker Heights was like a made-up place that she invented. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes it interesting because it's a story about class, family, and friendship. 
Um, so the theme is, it starts off with a black mother and her daughter move into the house of a white woman, um, like a very wealthy affluent family. They rent a house to them, I should say. And then Pearl, her name is the black girl becomes friends with the white family's kids. And then the moms get tied up in a, um, kind of mystery drama situation. I don't want to give too much away. Sorry if that's super vague, Mm. but the book has actually been turned into a TV show. It, which was executively produced by Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington, who play the two main characters. So I really am excited to watch that after reading because I love everything that Reese Witherspoon um, touches, basically. I think she's so <laughs> smart and, like, the way she tells women's stories is so beautiful. And I, I know sometimes she gets the rap of being kind of, like, like the big little lies, like white woman with the glass of wine, like my husband is cheating on me kind of uh, vibe. But I think this is like a really gripping story. And it's like, I think I read in bed for like over an hour the other night and I haven't done that in so long. And it was so nice to feel that again. I said that a few weeks ago about The Vanishing Half, but Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah, I've just been reading these really good books lately around women's stories and women of color as well. So Um, I definitely recommend that if you're into kind of like a drama, mystery, very, it's very American. So if you're into that as well, yeah, novel. Cool. Do you own this one or is it from the library? I do own it if you would like to borrow it afterwards. Yes, that was the follow-up question. (laughs) Um, I do want to read more um, books in general. (laughs) Any genre will do. But no, that sounds awesome and I definitely have seen this floating around again a lot on the internet. So awesome to actually know what it's about now. And yes, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would really mean a lot to us if you could please go rate and review. We do not get any money or anything at the moment to make this podcast and we love making it and we love chatting, but a little rate and review would really mean a lot to us and just kind of let more people know about us if you enjoyed it. But otherwise, we will chat to you next week. See you later.